Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Howdy, howdy, howdy. It's episode number 49 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most action-packed and downright sexy Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me with guns a is my co-host, Liam O'Donnell. How are things, Liam? You know, they're pretty good. They're, they're pretty good. It's funny that you say that, Liam, because my understanding is that your daughter is severely ill at the moment. Yeah, but I don't care about that. That doesn't Okay. Me. I'm glad that you prioritize properly. <laughs> Eric Roberts, number one, daughter, number 12? No, it's it's hard. It's it's the the thing about it. It's not that she's that sick. It's a very minor cold. But you know, it's a baby, so you you can't do anything. You just have to be there, and it's exhausting. And she's unhappy, and you can't like blow like blowing her nose is hard, and making her feel better is hard. And it's you know, I mean, I'm sure when your kid is sick and they're like more of a cognizant human, that's probably not any easier. But this right. is a particular kind of hard that like it's yeah, it's driving me crazy. Because the baby doesn't know why it's sick, right? And, no idea. And, and in fact, its awareness is sort of limited generally, so it, it must be looking to you to make it all better, and knowing that you actually can't at least directly do it, it must be a very helpless feeling on both ends. Uh, Yeah, yeah. We could delve into that some more if you want. We could just make this a therapy podcast. That'd be good. Honestly, even though I have no interest in having children because I find them distasteful, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I I feel like part of the reason I, I wouldn't want a child is because my anxiety levels regarding them doing just about anything, I just don't know how I'd ever be able to let go enough to like let them drive a bike down the street and without in the back of my mind thinking, oh, they're going to get hit by some drunk idiot and die. Yeah, I don't, I mean, you're kind of nailing uh, what, what will be future anxiety for me. I don't know. <clears throat> my inclination is that I'm I'm not a very uh, protective person right now, but that might change. And, and I wonder sometimes if the only reason I'm not protective is that is just a failure of imagination. Like I'm right. not imagining all the different awful things. I'm just kind of like, oh, they'll be fine. And then if I really thought about it, I'd probably have like a freak out. Because when you think, because not only do you have to think about the the potential difficulties that you're future daughter future daughter will run into it's like that's the future there's going to be new difficulties we can't even think about yet i know like how is she going to navigate the sentient robots who run our lives in the future and think about the drones liam i really think we should talk about these drones and they're a future effect and honestly and what about the um i don't know why we, why did we make the drones sentient and give them lasers you think it'd be one or the other i feel like once we went all in on the precogs that uh, that 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 was the, the turning point, you know, the tipping point, I should say. And now I don't know about the future crimes I'm going to commit, but somebody does. Some some lady laying in water knows about my future crimes, Liam, and I feel weird about that. Was it the precogs or was it the fact that we gave them uh, talk shows on which they could share their information? I really feel like the talk shows was the issue. Yeah, well, everyone's got a talk show these days, don't you think, Liam? <laughs> oh, yes. Shut up. Um, <laughs> our guest today is a writer, VHS enthusiast, content creator, and beloved podcaster, particularly by me. 
He's a one-third of the acclaimed See You Next Wednesday podcast. It's Mr. Dan Gorman. How you doing, Dan? Hello. I am very happy to be here. Dan, what's it like having to sit quietly while we just jibber-jabber back and forth like that? <laughs> painful. It is painful, isn't it? <laughs> so terrible. I've never sliced a second out of our uh, 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 like beginning of the episode back and forth, mm-hmm. but every time we're actually going through it, I think, why? Why would anyone yeah. listen to this? Yeah. The first time for, uh, for everything, you start slicing. Start slicing. It should just be, <laughs> I'll do the intro. I'll say, how you doing, Liam? He says, okay, and then we'll just go right into, just into it. Dan, you're, you're both full of crap. That's the best part of the episode. Is that <laughs> really? I've never think, listened past it. You think? <laughs> you think when Eric Robert? You think when Eric Roberts is scanning through this episode? I just think about it. Th- okay, look, people bring this up to me all the time. Do you think Eric Roberts has ever listened to an episode of this podcast? And my answer is almost certainly no. He's kind of busy making movies. I don't know if you noticed, but. If he was to ever listen, I always think about what his reaction would be to that particular bunch of fucking nonsense that we start with that would not be enjoyable for him, a celebrity actor, and isn't really enjoyable for me, the person participating in it. He would turn it off pretty quick, I feel like. Yeah, I think if he was ever to listen, after two minutes he'd be like, ugh. And that's good, because that that's well before we get into really trashing him for no particular reason. <laughs> the uh, only reason he skips it is because he goes straight to the... Is he the man or not? And I believe he's done that for every episode. Yeah. Every episode, he just is like, get to the point. Am I the fucking man or not? And when when uh, Liam inevitably says he's not the man, you just think of Eric Roberts just punching a wall in anger. He's like, I got to get some marijuana. <laughs> as as is his way. Dan, what do you think of Eric Roberts, the actor? Uh, so mm-hmm. I think okay. I, I, it's funny because I – my experience with him has been very, you know, like I, like you said, I like a lot of VHS. I like a lot of crappy movies and bad action movies and stuff. So I've come across him over the years, but it wasn't until recently that I actually went and finally watched Star 80 for the first time and was like, oh, wow, this is like a phenomenal piece of work and a great performance. So I've, it, I find it, I find Eric Roberts fascinating, much like you guys. And I feel like my history has been very fraught with like ups and downs. Now, now tell us about some of these downs you were just referring to. Um, well, I don't know if it's a down, but I do have very specific memories of renting Hitman's Run um, <laughs> with my friend wanting like a super awesome action movie and being pretty disappointed with it. Although... I do own it on VHS. It's a screener copy, so I have that going for me. <laughs> but I've never revisited it since. You know, uh, this isn't actually going to be brought up on the Roberts Report this week, but just very recently there was a convention appearance by Eric Roberts, the um, the title uh, character of this podcast, <laughs> uh, with Mariel Hemingway uh, as part of a, I believe, uh, 35-year anniversary of Star 80. It was them together Nice. Making an appearance at this convention. You could get your picture taken with Mariel Hemingway and Eric Roberts. Dan, what's the most you've ever paid for a picture with somebody? I don't think I've ever paid for a picture with anybody. Would you pay for a picture with somebody? Uh, no. Do you find it... Like, what is it about that concept that you you reject so... so... I I just don't like the idea of paying for like 
like nothing is really being exchanged in that it's kind of a situation it's just kind of like you're paying for someone to stand there but it's free to stand there i don't i don't really understand it like i don't know it just seems like if you're a nice person you should just be like hey okay i'll stand here while you take a picture on your phone I feel super conflicted about it because I understand that these people are taking time out of their schedule to spend, you know, even just a few seconds with you. However, they are not gods walking the earth. They are just people. And I feel like the transaction involves me saying, you know what? I really like your work. I'm a really big fan. Would it be possible for us to share literally two seconds together so we could have a photograph? And that, I think, should be the end of the transaction. Or, you know, you could take the Louis C.K. route where you'd be like, you know, I don't like pictures, but I will sit sit here or stand here and talk to you for a couple of minutes so we can have a real conversation. That, to me, the idea of especially like paying for a autograph, I'm like, this... This turns me from being a fan who was having a moment to us making a business transaction. That makes me yes. feel uncomfortable. I don't like that either, and I do agree. I think it should be like in in this in the convention situation where there's going to be thousands of people for some of these uh, uh, actors. I think there it's obvious like you can't have every person come up and take a photo. That's going to take sure. a million hours. But I, I think you should be saying like either no photos allowed and we can just have a conversation or like have a specific like you can take a photo but it has to be really quick or i don't know there has i just feel like it's an all or nothing situation liam do you want to jump in on this never have never would never i'd taken a hard line stance it's almost i'll be honest it seems to follow through your straight edge mentality uh (laughs) when it comes you would just never partake in the whole autograph seeking thing do you own any autographs liam yeah, I got a few. Well, I mean, I, I guess we don't have to p- pursue that any further to know <laughs> who the fuck you're talking about right now. No, because you specifically uh, said pay for, and I can't fathom why I'd pay for anything. No, but... no, I understand, Liam. I'm just I'm moving to the next level of you having given us the information that you have some, and now I want to know what those ones are. Oh, well, I have a couple posters that came autographed whether I wanted it or not. So uh, my May- Miami Connection poster is signed by the cast. I didn't awesome. ask for that shit. Just came with it. And I was like, cool, that's fine. I really just mm-hmm. wanted the Dragon Sound 7-inch. But I'll take the signed poster as well. Um, it's just not something I – like, it's fine. Like, uh, So, for example, um, when I – the first time I went to Fantastic Fest was when Mondo released those Drew Struzan Frankenstein posters. Right. And Drew Struzan was fucking there signing the goddamn posters. And I didn't get one because I didn't know about the resale value. So I was like, oh, uh, Dingleberry McGee is signing some piece of paper. <laughs> no, thank you. And then someone <laughs> later was like, oh, you know that you know that $300 poster I got? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I sold that for two grand later. And I was like, oh, so I'm an asshole. Okay, good. Good to know. So <laughs> Honestly, had... uh, I'm not going to – look, I don't want to belabor the point, Liam. It sounds like you're more of an asshole because you wanted to resell – what yeah. is an autograph from probably the greatest artist of movie posters of all time? Yeah, the realization later of like, oh man, I could have turned a profit off of that. that That's exactly dude. why they charge for this yeah. shit in the first place. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You I know what? Rather, I would rather. Capitalism pay. is killing this show, Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> no, I mean, what I'm saying is that, like, to me, it wasn't just that I didn't do it. It's that I judged everyone who did because I didn't see the possible value. But I got to mm. say, turning that kind of profit is worth it to me. My thing is not that I, I didn't see the value. What does that mean? The value is the experience of meeting 
and connecting with this amazing artist. What is wrong with you, Liam? This is what I'm saying. This is why I don't go to conventions. The only reason I even have ever gone to a convention was recently with Justin so I could watch him fan out. I don't want to meet these people unless we're meeting at someone's barbecue or at a wedding where I'm going to have a conversation. I don't need to fucking meet these people. What the fuck? I'm just some idiot who's <laughs> going to glad hand with them and let them know I think they're really cool and what they do is really cool. No, 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 no. If I'm going to have a conversation with even the lowest level actor, creator, artist, I'm all about it. I'll have a conversation with any of these people and be fucking starstruck that they wanted to talk to me. But if I'm paying for them to touch me or to write on something, fuck that. I don't care who they are. They could be God themselves. I don't want their autograph. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm taking a very hard-line stance there. Yeah. And again, I do appreciate it. Uh, and I guess I do see where you're coming from. And honestly, it seems like you're really just echoing the same things that Dan and I were saying, except yeah, but in, a real, in a real jerky manner. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's sort of the difference, right? That's the difference between me and, and you Canadians. We kind of agree, but I'm a jerk about it. Now, Dan, are you originally from the area that I'm in right now? 100%. 100%. And you oh, moved yeah. to Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah grew now, up in Peterborough, moved to Toronto. Now, what's the deal with Toronto? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, You don't know? Well, I've been there a few times. It's pretty close, <laughs> thankfully. I mean, and sometimes not so, thankfully. Yeah. Uh. It's a place where I live and mm -hmm. work. Right. <laughs> um, I moved here, uh, I want to say, in like 2007. My brother lived here, so I moved and uh, moved in with my brother. Is it expensive time. Expensive to live in Toronto? Oh, God, yes, it, it is. It is, right? And is, is there a lot of gentrification going on? Oh, man, tons of it. <laughs> Everywhere you look. All right. Well, that's, that's unfortunate. <laughs> when you want to go see a movie in Toronto, Dan, where do you go? Um, it depends if I'm going to see the new releases or something uh -huh. old. If it's something old, I'll go to the Review or the Royal. And if it's something new, I'll go to the Cineplex. Mm -hmm. uh, there used to be an AMC, but not anymore, which sucks because they used to have uh, $6 movies if you went before noon. Mm. And I would just to save a few bucks. Yeah, I used to do uh -huh. it all the time. Liam, do you have a second-run cinema near you where you can go see movies on the cheap? No. No. I wish that was something that was available to me. But then again, I also wish that those cinemas were always empty uh, so I could just watch movies by myself, which kind yeah. of, I guess, is the reason that they don't stay in business in the first place. Yeah. Right. They, they tried a few times in Peterborough to do a there, – there was one, like, independent cinema – there was. It was right on George Street, yeah. and it was here for the first like three or four years, maybe five years that I lived here. And I went to it once when I should have went all the fucking time. I don't know what was wrong with yeah, me. I lived I, literally around the corner. I wrote to them. I remember I emailed them, or maybe I sent an actual letter. I can't even remember. But when <laughs> when wait, what year was this? Nineteen forty-seven. Yeah, I got my ink out, and um, <laughs> when Troma's Citizen Toxie came out. They were, you know, um, the Troma website was like, ask your local, you know, your local cinemas to play. So I remember pestering them about like, you guys are going to play Citizen Talk, so you got to do it. And they, and they were just like, get out of here, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went out of business. So who's yeah. laughing now, right? Exactly. Well, speaking of laughing at others' misfortune, let's go into the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It 
It's the Roberts Report for Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, episode number 49. And as per usual, there is a bucket load of Eric Roberts news that we need to delve into. Starting, of course, with the deep dive on Eric Roberts' Twitter feed. Always an interesting place to spend some time. Uh, recently, as of the recording of this episode on May 7th, he responded, Eric Roberts, the actor, at Eric Roberts on Twitter. He responded to the television program 2020, the news program. And they had sent out a tweet, a very important one. That said, do you have faith in your GPS, question mark, hashtag ABC 2020. And Eric Roberts, who I guess was watching the episode of 2020, he responded, not anymore, for real, only for very basic, straightforward navigation. Dan, are you uh, <laughs> someone who shares the skepticism of Eric Roberts regarding the GPS unit? Um, I wouldn't say I share that skepticism. I, I use some GPS from time to time, but I did mm -hmm. find it very amusing that he said that he doesn't use it anymore, but that he also needs it for very basic <laughs> getting around. Because <laughs> usually it's the opposite. You can get around, but you need it when it's like, I'm going somewhere I don't know or something confusing. But I guess for Eric Roberts, it's the exact opposite. You know, in the UK, they call a GPS a sat-nav. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you, both of you, starting with you, Liam, which do you prefer, GPS or sat-nav? Um, GPS. And over to you, Dan. Uh, I, I guess G GPS as well. Mm, okay, well, <laughs> that's kind of. We, I was hoping that you'd actually argue about it. Now, <laughs> Dan, if you could have any celebrity voice your GPS, who would it be? Eric Roberts, for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought that's what you were mm -hmm. going to say, and mm -hmm. I'm glad that you did, Liam. <laughs> uh, same. I'm guessing it's the same answer. Um, I I don't really like. Oh boy, Eric Here Roberts. <laughs> No, no, no. Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't like when my GPS has a weird voice. It's distracting for me. Well, it's supposed to be somewhat distracting, I suppose. But isn't it kind of distracting just to have some weird robotic lady's voice? I guess. I mean, it, I, I, the weird lady's voice only gets distracting because she never pronounce any, pronounces the names yeah. of things right. But otherwise, no. I, I feel like... I guess I've never done something like Eric Roberts. That might be interesting, but I I remember briefly the the John Cleese option. You know, the uh -huh. very British sounding. Mm -hmm. That was too much. I couldn't with that. That was just like I don't care what you're saying. I just want you to keep saying it. And honestly, I don't really like using the GPS anyway. If I can help it. Oh, why is that cheating? Is that uh... <laughs> no? I just really. I again. I it's it's actually it can. I don't know. It just is a little distracting for me. Maybe I'm just not smart enough to do that many things at once. I had a friend who had Mr. T doing the GPS voice. What do you think about that, Liam? Uh, I mean, I think that would be funny. If I'm the passenger, that sounds great. I'm all about that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll let him know. I think it was like seven years ago. Back on April 29th. Now, this is... We're taking a serious turn here now, and Eric Roberts is a fucking man. <laughs> Eric Roberts did a string of very serious-minded tweets. It seems like something was bothering our good buddy. Um, and he started with... I'm going to stick with Twitter. A picture may be worth a thousand words, but 140 characters can be worth a million words if you say it right. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Twitter, uh, so I really do agree with Eric Roberts here. And now, Dan, I know you spend some time on Twitter, and Liam, you as well. Do you feel like that, that 140 characters can be worth a million words, Dan? No, a million words? That's a lot of fucking words. It seems excessive. That's, That's like a book words. length, right? That's too many words. No. I think yeah. he was exaggerating for, like, the effect, but yeah. I, fe I feel like he should be, if again, if he's using Twitter to its best uh, uh, advantage, 
then he should be really, really careful and not exaggerate yeah. to that level. And I, and I, also... do, I do want to say, mm-hmm. I think if Eric Roberts is putting, you know, this much, if he's saying 140 characters or so many words, but you got to say them really right. I just I feel right. like when I look at Eric Roberts's Twitter, I'm not oh. sure if he's putting that much effort sometimes. <laughs> Maybe he's not really speaking of himself. It's like yeah. for other people, they could make it hit, you know, right yeah, exactly. down the middle, right across the plate, as, yeah. as the Americans say. He also wrote, big game hunting, big name hunting, both cruel endeavors, homegrown plant-based food and homegrown talent-based artists are plenty big. What the <laughs> fuck does that mean? <laughs> I So when I looked at this image that you've pulled of all these tweets, yes. I read them from top to bottom. Uh, that's now, a mistake. A huge mistake. because the, the And not to be a spoiler alert, but the first one he's talking about a pink song. <laughs> So the other three, the other two in the middle, I thought these are lyrics from a, a song by Pink. <laughs> so I thought that tweet, big game hunting, big name hunting. I was like, this is a this are these lyrics to a Pink song? May, you know, they still might be. Yeah. Uh, but I also know that Eric Roberts is is against big game hunting. Okay. Uh, and he is an animal a fan, a fan of animals, just like yourself, right, Liam? Yes. Now you don't have a pet though, right, Liam? Oh, I have two cats. Okay, so that, in fact, you've told me about that many a time before, and yet yeah. I was able to forget it. What do you think? Uh, I mean, you're an asshole. That's just uh-huh. established. Eric followed that up with, my eyes are killing me. Should be I'm killing my eyes. Too many tears. It's a cry-worthy world. We've got to stop the spread of mean, people. And um, and there I should mention that there's a comma. So yeah. he's saying we have to stop the spread of mean, People like to really kind of put an emphasis on it. He's not uh, talking about the spread of, not the spread of mean people, though. I, I'm sure. I, I briefly thought he was calling for the like extermination of mean people, and I was, <laughs> right. I was concerned. Well, I mean, uh, I, I feel like it's a, you know, it's a sincere sentiment. I sometimes worry that there's a level of irony that exists on this show, and even the very concept of having an Eric Roberts-based podcast, which means that we're just here to like mock the sincerity of his tweets, especially because we start with this. But I want to say, I actually agree with the sentiment that he's making here. Absolutely. We need a little, especially in 2017, because I'll tell you what, the world is really, really shitty right now. It's really, it's a tough place and you got to be tough to live in. And honestly, I think you'd have to be out of your mind to bring a child into this shitty, shitty world. Uh, And inevitably they're going to get sick. And what are you going to do then? And I just don't know what to think about it. What do you think, Liam? Just directly at me next time, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) You can't subtweet when we're on the same podcast. (laughs) That was a subcast. Eric Roberts finished with uh, a tweet directed uh, at the musician, as you refer to, Dan. Pink. uh, He says, Pink said it in a song, Dear Mr. President. That song's true meaning has skipped a presidential eight-year term. The lyrics chill today as... Then, uh, Dan, are you uh, uh, aware of this song, "Dear Mr. President"? No, I am not. Are you a fan of the Pink? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing well, against. I have nothing against Pink, but not for me. Well, let me read you some lyrics from "Dear Mr. President." Wonderful. By the I was hoping that you did that. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is near the end of the song. <laughs> she says, "How do you sleep while the rest of us cry?" How do you dream when a mother has no chance to say goodbye? How do you walk with your head held high? Can you even look me in the eye? 
and tell me why. (laughs) Dear Mr. President, were you a lonely boy? Are you a lonely boy? How can you say no child is left behind? We're not dumb and we're not blind. They're all sitting in yourselves when you paved the road to hell. Got a little wonky there at the end, I feel. Um, (laughs) But uh, but the sentiment seems to be uh, pretty reasonable, which is that Mm -hmm. the president of the United States sucks. What do you think, Dan? Definitely. Liam? Oh, I'm, I'm so deeply offended that you would question the president. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 you know, Pink's a local girl, you know, Doylestown represent. And I feel like um, when that song came out, I was actually a little bit impressed because I feel like so much of her music had been so vapid prior to sure. that. That I was mm-hmm. like, hey, so she, Pink wrote a song about a uh, good old, good old Bush, good old W. And uh, mm-hmm. I got to agree. Not not good. He's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm on the same page. So uh, I I uh, I appreciate that aspect of it. I think it's funny. I didn't know Eric Roberts was such a pink fan that he could pull well, that out. Yeah. Well, some he is nine, some nine to ten years later. Deep cut pink. Uh, Eric Roberts is obviously a fan. Uh, and you know when I think of of your current president, I think he's just like a pill, except instead of making me better, he just keeps making me ill. Is that another line from the song? Are you quoting the song? I think it's it's another pink song that I'm referring to. Not bad. I can also pull the deep cuts, Eric Roberts. Just another thing that you and I share. Um, over at youinterview.com, uh, there's an article titled, Eric Roberts Speaks Out About Animal Cruelty, ADI, and His Squirrel Sanctuary. Oh, I love that. Yes. And I mean, it's this is really uh, about uh, Eric Roberts teaming up with the Animal Defenders International to protect the rights of uh, animals around the world, specifically animals that are involved in circus performances. Um, people might be aware that I believe it's uh, Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus have basically shut down because of the outcry against their use and uh, the training, I guess they do, of animals. And uh, first, I'll start with you, Liam. Uh, the circus, uh, yay or nay? I think that um, if we're talking about the parts of the circus that are not the animals, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a big yay. I like uh, I like humans doing extraordinary things. Um, and while as a child I appreciated the animals as well, mm-hmm. it's just become really clear that you can't fucking keep an elephant like that and they're not right. experiencing trauma. Like those well, animals are are going through some shit to be there, and it's just not fair to do that to them. But they do get free peanuts. Right? Oh my god, I fucking hate <laughs> you so much. Damn. Um, I don't understand why Ringling Brothers has to close. Like, what I don't get about this circus thing is why the circuses who go, and we won't have animals anymore, that's it. It's like only Cirque du Soleil is like, people are fine. Like, all these other ones, it's like, yo, no elephants, no fucking circus. It's, I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting that you say that, Liam, because in the interview that is included with this article, Eric Roberts is asked about the closing of Ringling Brothers. And he says that, just like you said, it's like, why are they having to close it? He goes, there's a way to do it. You can be kind to animals and work with animals. You don't have to beat them to tell them what to do, as it were. There's a way to do it. There is a way to anything with kindness. The Beatles said it best. All you need is love. Oh, very beautiful. Sweet. Like, it's a very nice sentiment, I think, I'm, there from I, Eric Robert. I think I'm inclined to disagree only because I think the other way to do it and have them still be there is like the movie Roar. I right. you're gonna get mm-hmm. fucked, you're gonna get fucked up. I think it's a oh. better bet just to not have deadly animals around and just let yeah. them be deadly animals as opposed to being like, well, we're gonna have the deadly animals there, but we're just like not gonna discipline them and we're just gonna let them do whatever they want. I mean, if you want to do that, that's cool. But when you get jacked up, I'm gonna be like, all right, cool, good for you, Tiger. Like, I'm glad uh, uh, Dan, you made that happen. 
Dan? Yeah. There's a, a Beatles song that goes, in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. It's, it's true. There is. Okay. I was going to ask if that was true. And <laughs> I'm true. glad I'm glad a confirmation Yeah. And I, wa- I want to say about the, the circus thing, um, I'm a big nay. Mm, you're against the circus. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against it, but I, I was actually thinking like, okay, I'm going to bring this up, but Liam already said it basically. But, but to me, I feel like the circus feels like this weird outdated thing. And when he said, you know, without the animals and there, there, there's still people doing amazing feats to me, it's like, well, that's just Cirque du Soleil. Why don't we just get rid of the old kind of circuses and just do more stuff like Cirque du Soleil where I can just watch people do cool flips. I, I don't think need we to go have... to like a smelly tent to see it. <laughs> well, we but need they a don't... new, but... a new kind of circus, an extreme circus for yeah. the modern audience. I but think. Cirque du Soleil doesn't do the fucking motorcycles or the cannon, so I mean, they got to work that shit in before I'm on board. But, yeah, it's kinda, no, I agree. It's kind of interesting because remember, Cirque du Soleil did a whole performance set to the music of the Beatles. It feels like we're going yep. full circle here. I do want to before we move on here. Um, I mentioned in the title that Eric Roberts mentioned his squirrel sanctuary, and I want to make sure that I read his quote here. He's asked if he has any pets, and he responds, this is a direct quote, We have everything, from horses to kitties. What I am most proud of is almost 20 years ago now we saved a squirrel. The ASPCA that we took it to said, may we come see your yard? And when they got here, they said, oh, you have big trees. When the squirrels get well, we may let them go here on your property. And we said, of course. So what has happened is that we have a squirrel sanctuary, and we have all the squirrels without tails, without ears, without paws, but they all eat out of our hands, so we have a bunch of pirate squirrels that live in our squirrel sanctuary, <laughs> and I'm very proud of that. I'm gonna, li- I ain't gonna lie to you. I think Eric Roberts is the coolest guy in the fucking world. <laughs> I think the idea of him like feeding squirrels out of his hand in his backyard, and there's like a squirrel on his shoulder, and they're like running around, like... and they're all mutilated, right? <laughs> they're, they're missing all... body parts. <clears throat> yeah, I think that that's like the best thing ever. <laughs> So, uh, Dan, what do you think about professional wrestling? Um, I think I, I was never a, a wrestling guy when I was growing mm-hmm. up. My friends were mm-hmm. all into the the wrestling shows, and I wasn't so much. But I do have a kind of um, adjacent fondness to it because I think it's pretty entertaining. Well, do you know who Vince McMahon is? Of course. Of course. He's the owner of the World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, which is a big professional wrestling company. He's sort of a a, a larger-than-life personality, wouldn't you say, Dan? Oh, absolutely. Well, they recently announced that they're doing a uh, biopic, a film about the life of Vince McMahon. Now, I do know a little bit about professional wrestling, and let me just let you in on a secret now. Vince McMahon is kind of a piece of shit, like just a real yeah. garbage person, and he's done a bunch of garbage things. And I get the feeling that this biopic will probably gloss over a lot of that. But what is interesting about this and why I'm bringing it up is that uh, one of the people that keeps getting suggested as to play the, uh, the, the character of Vince McMahon is Eric Roberts. Now, Liam, do you know enough about Vince McMahon to know if that's a good choice? Um, I mean... <clears throat> I'm actually torn about that because while Eric Roberts is very good at playing a scumbag, like I think he actually that's in his wheelhouse, the sort of scumbag that Vince McMahon is seems more like loud, um, big, taking up space. And Eric Roberts seems a little bit more uh, uh, charismatic, 
kind of like sleep. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just don't I don't see Eric Roberts kind of scumbag that he plays in films being the sort of guy that Vince McMahon is. But I, I don't know that I watch enough wrestling to know for sure. And also Vince McMahon. I mean, look. Eric Roberts, I believe, is in very good shape, even for a, a man who's in his 60s. But, like, Vince McMahon is jacked, right? I mean, he's fucking huge, uh, and and probably not naturally so. That'd be a difficult thing. I wouldn't want to see Eric Roberts go through that, I don't think. <laughs> and th- there's, something, there's something about Vince McMahon, too, that's bombastic. I imagine that the way he acts when he's, like, uh, you know, putting on the performance is not uh-huh. that is not that far off from how he is as an actual human yeah, in exactly. the world, and that's just not Eric Roberts to me at all. Hey Liam, yeah, director Christopher S. Lin's Joker's Poltergeist is now available on DVD and video on demand, courtesy of Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. The film is <laughs> wait for it. Loosely inspired by the 2012 theater shooting in oh, Aurora, Colorado. Oh, oh. With a theater owner trying to restart her business after a maniac dressed as a clown opens fire on the premises. Now, I'm reading an article here about this from DreadCentral.com, and they follow up where they mention that it's about it's based by the, on the shooting in Aurora, Colorado with, make of that what you will, all we do here is report the news, which suggests that they're uncomfortable with the idea of using that as a basis for a horror film. Dan, do you think it's okay to have that as sort of just grist for the horror mill? No, it's definitely not. This sounds terrible. Like When I read this, I thought, holy shit, why are they doing this? Especially, like, I know that there is another more independent uh, film that's being based on this shooting. Um, sure. I think it played one of the festivals, and they they released a trailer for it recently. And and even that, which looked like they were trying to do this, you know, tone poem of a of a movie about that incident, it felt like don't make a movie about this, you vultures. I don't know. Like, and especially this seems like it, it it's going to be a low budget joint. Um, and <laughs> really, I I don't know. I'm sick of of these low budget movies using stuff like that and sort of not actually having anything to say. Like, I feel like this is going to be just terrible. Well, I respect your opinion, Dan, but maybe if I told you this, that Joker's Poltergeist stars Oscar nominee, Eric Roberts, as well as Saved by the Bell's Dustin Diamond and the Karate Kid's Martin Cove. What do you think now? I just bought it on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Liam, are you into it? Joker's Poltergeist? I mean, I have to be because of our blood oath. We have to watch it because of the blood oath. However, you know, you're allowed to feel conflicted about it. Does this one make you feel conflicted? I mean, I I don't know. It, I'm not conflicted. It's clearly in bad taste, period. There's no other option there. Um, but will I feel weird about having to watch it? No. Nah, I mean, it's, it's someone decided to make this thing. It's It's not a good idea. And I'm not going to like it. And that's just how it's going to be. And that's fine. How about that title? Joker's Poltergeist. It's crazy. Everything about this is crazy. <laughs> There's actually nothing about this that's okay in any way, shape, or form. I just looked at the at the art for it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Good Lord. If it wasn't for all those poor disabled squirrels, I would be very mad at Eric Roberts right now. For, yeah, I know. But, From now on, I think that whenever we see a movie that Eric Roberts has done, and we're like, oh, "Why did he do that?" We'll just think of the squirrels, right? Yeah, we'll think of the squirrels. There's probably thousands of disabled squirrels in his yard right now, and they increase every day, right? Every because, fucking day. 
people don't like squirrels. My cats do not like the squirrels that sometimes wander by our window. And they, they would love to tear off various body parts. And they could end up... Honestly, do you think... Okay, I'm just going to put this out there. Do you think any of the squirrels are, like, harming themselves so that they can hang out with Eric Roberts? Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2017's Induced Effect, directed by and starring stand-up comedian and actor Rashid Stevens. This is apparently his feature-length debut in terms of being a director. Uh, There's no plot summary out there, but you can uh, find a trailer, recently released trailer, for Induced Effect. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, It looks like a crime comedy of some sort, but it's important to mention it. You might be wondering, why is he talking about Induced Effect? It's because it has the actor Eric Roberts in it playing a character named Boss. Liam, will you be watching Induced Effect? You know I will. <laughs> what do you think that title means, Induced Effect? I have no I literally have been wondering that since you read it, and I'm there I can't come up with anything. I feel like he just like was flipping through a thesaurus. <laughs> yeah, found and two words. Like, two words! <laughs> Uh, induced isn't used in movies very often. Yeah. Maybe it's because it makes me think of pregnancy, uh, which, again, it, most the most terrifying possible thought for me to have uh, because, again, of the horrible world we live in and the child, which <laughs> I would not want to bring into it. Oh, man, um, it's time for our first break. You know what, Liam? It is, right? <laughs> you know what, Liam? <laughs> That I'm right. You're right. It is time for us to take our first break. We need to go and take a break. But when we return, we actually have a double feature of 1994 Eric Roberts movies to talk about today, especially chosen by Dan Gorman, our guest. I'm very, very excited. We're going to be talking about all this on me. (laughs) I, I honestly, I feel like we probably never would have gotten to these two, but thankfully, Dan has chosen for us to watch 1994's. The Hard Truth, co-starring Michael Rooker, very uh, very popular actor in uh, in some recent films and projects, as well as 1994's Free Fall, which does not feature any popular actors in it at all. Uh, and we're going to come back after this and talk about The Hard Truth. Join us after this. don't know who I am, but I know all about you. I've come to talk to you tonight about the things I've seen you do. I've come to set the record straight. I've come to shine the light on you Let me introduce myself I am the cold hard truth A suspended cop and his girlfriend blackmail an electronics expert into helping them break into the safe of the girlfriend's boss, a corrupt city councilman who's on the local mob's payroll, who suspends action and intrigue in 1994's The Hard Truth, directed by 
Christine Peterson, the uh, also the director of Critters 3, if you ask me, the best of the Critters series. Yeah. <laughs> as as well Leo. as one episode as well as one episode of Silk Stockings and uh, Kickboxer 5, also known as The Redemption Kickboxer 5. I actually found it kind of interesting that this was directed by a woman, uh, though I don't I don't feel like there's any particular particular let's say feminist message at the core of this if anything it seems to lean a little heavier on the misogyny in some ways which is yeah. why i found it so interesting but for well, a minute so- i thought like oh you know the the woman character she's kind of like controlling them all you know and leading them around and then but that kind of unravels <laughs> as it, a it, way to watch the movie by the it end un- this is a movie in fact both of the movies we're going to talk about today have a lot of twists and turns wouldn't you say dan yeah, twisty, turny. And and this one, you don't know who to trust. No. And you certainly don't know who to like. But I will say, I didn't like anybody in the movie <laughs> The Hard Truth from 1994. But I want to get your thoughts. You're the guest today, Dan. What did you think of The Hard Truth? Okay, well, I watched this after our next film, which I won't talk about till we get to. But um, the, I, I think my my reaction to this film... The Hard Truth from 1994 um, is is might be a little bit different than you guys because I watched the next film alone and I watched this film with my girlfriend Emma and <laughs> we had some fun with The Hard Truth because we were we were trying to make it funny and and laugh at it and I found that there was a little bit more to grasp onto from the perspective of you know it's got two kind of you know larger than life character actors that that are mm-hmm. pretty committed to their roles and and <laughs> the the chewing of the scenery around them a little it doesn't go quite as far as you want it to but i did find some fun in this one i feel like <laughs> it, it, there was some moments where i laughed pretty hard at this movie but now it, when you yeah. say dan that you found a lot to grab onto do you mean specifically michael rooker's smooth behind which we see yeah Several times. Yeah, I think the the, one of the the worst things about this movie is the fact that um, it's it's a bit more reliant (laughs) on the erotic thriller aspect. Although our next film is is too, but the the structure of the hard truth is very like like it seems it seems like Michael Rooker and um, uh, Lizette Anthony. It seems Mm -hmm. like they do all their planning while they're fucking. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like every time that they're having a sex scene, they're like planning the heist, talking about how it's going to go down. <laughs> so the the structure of the movie is constantly like, you know, dialogue scene, dialogue scene, sex scene where they plan and then more dialogue and more dialogue. Another sex scene where they plan mm-hmm. the heist. I mean, 1994 was really the golden age for erotic thrillers yeah. uh, in, in the wake of of Basic Instinct and Slither and other movies that uh, uh, that uh, that had Susan, not Susan Sarandon, Jesus Christ, that had Sharon Stone <laughs> yeah. uh, get, getting naked and seducing men and then destroying them in some yeah. sort of horrible way. It's almost like if you were thinking that, that maybe the female character in this movie, you wouldn't trust her so much. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I feel that way, but it's just the way that I feel. She's almost like, I would, I, I'm just going to pull this word... Out of the air. She's almost like some sort of femme fatale, don't you think? Yes, definitely. She's she's twisty, this yeah. Lizette Anthony. Now, I have to ask you, Dan, before I get uh, Liam's thoughts on the movie, what did you think of Eric Roberts' character's name, Dr. Chandler Etheridge? Oh, man, hilarious. <laughs> and just the fact that 
that <laughs> the movie seemed very cagey about exactly what it is that his character does until finally a char- one other a side character comes out and says it. But they keep calling him the good doctor. But then he's also like working in this like kind of like slick looking nineties right. building. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking like, what is he a doctor of? Is he a designer? Is he like a, like inventor? Like what, what is he? He's a doctor that also likes to design circuit boards in yeah. his spare time. Totally. As one does. Liam, were you able to watch this with your goodly wife? Oh, I uh, no! I watched this today while I was taking care of our sick daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that's a certain difference in terms of, of the kind of approach you might take to it. What did you think of the hard truth? You know, uh, you had said this off mic, but uh, when it first starts off, we've got, you know, uh, the Michael Rooker cop character is called to the scene. And there's a crazy guy with a machine gun in L.A. Yes. I'm already in. Like, from that point, I'm like... Yo, this I'm watching it. It it's felt a Cobra, like, right? Yeah, it felt like I'm watching cable late at night, and this shit's yeah. on, and I'm stoked on it. And yeah. I know there's going to be a sex scene later, and it's going to be sick. And like, I was you gotta so take st- a dick out. Well, maybe, yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, like, there was something about it that felt very cool, and and not that actually those movies. Once you get past the nostalgia aspect, are those movies that great? Probably not. But I was getting into it at a nostalgia level. But sure. after that scene. The whole movie just fucking hits the brakes Uh and nothing exciting or interesting happens. Even the heist, even later sex scenes, anything, nothing has the energy like the subway part. (laughs) And by the way, I love subway scenes in L.A. because the subway in Mm -hmm. L.A. is so clean compared to every other subway. You're like. Oh, that's actually kind of nice down there. I, I, I'd run down the subway. That seems like a fun thing to do. Whereas every and it's time a city you, where no one takes it because yeah. you got to have a car, right? Every time you see a subway in an actual city, you're like, oh, that's where that's where all diseases and cockroaches are. Like, don't go in there. But, uh, you know, in L.A., it's always kind of nice. But, you know, that seems like really great. And then after that, it slows down. We've got the Eric Roberts thing. And, you know, the okay, so Michael Rooker and then I don't remember the name of the actress who, who's Lizette sort of, Anthony. It's almost like it's in the notes that I gave you. Yeah, I'm not looking at that part. Uh uh-huh. Lizette Anthony, uh, I don't appreciate her as a femme fatale, first off. Well, you know, I should mention, Liam, you know, she's a real Brit. She's, she's writing right? her accent here in this in this hair <laughs> film. I just think not only is her performance just in general not that great, but then in that role, I just don't believe her in that role. And she wears too many of her emotions on her sleeve. Like I feel like she's projecting everything. And I'm like, how does no one know she's untrustworthy? The only person I feel like who really appreciates who and what she's about from Get is Eric Roberts' character. But then he's like, I'm just going to roll with it. It's fine. And I'm like, (laughs) as soon as he, as soon as it's like revealed, spoiler alert, that he's going (laughs) to end up with her. In my head, I'm like, dog, she's going to kill you. Everyone watching this movie knows that you're dead. How do you not know you're dead? Like, it just was, it seemed weird since, like, I, but I guess maybe that was part of his character is he thinks he's smarter than everyone else and he's really not. And the, the parts that were, like, his class conflict with Michael Rooker, like, he's below me and he's not a, those were all sure. weird. I didn't feel yeah. like any of that played well at all. And well, it's also hard to kind of accept Eric Roberts in the role of sort of, like, a geeky computer nerd who's also the sex pot uh manipulator of everybody around him <laughs> i was... loved that i loved that like i i have this thing in these kinds of movies where when they cast somebody and it's just a little 
too far off of the believability scale. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like Eric Roberts here is it's so delightful to watch him like, you know, he's typing on the like old school IBM computer and she's sitting there and he's like, yep, you know what? It looks like we're going to be able to do this heist, babe. And it's, and he's, but he's playing it kind of nerdy and it's just so delightful to see him like kind of not able to do it. Like it's it, but it's not like he's not garbage in the movie. He's not like terrible. He's, he's committing to it, but it's just like there's, he's that one foot out of his kind of reach as an actor. And it's so kind of entertaining to see him with his little funny glasses, try and be like, Oh, I'm a little charming nerd guy. <laughs> like, I like that. We're having trouble accepting a man who has a squirrel sanctuary yeah. as a fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah. It's just not, it's not something he plays. It is. It really isn't something he plays a lot. Yeah. And, and even the squirrel sanctuary, the squirrel sanctuary says, I'm a hippie who probably vapes with all my squirrels. It doesn't say like I'm a supercomputer nerd who's going to hack the interwebs. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't well, know what what they're doing. It, like in all these scenes where he's building stuff for their heist, I know. It's, it's like I don't know what he's doing on that computer. What is he trying? Is he building something and he programmed it? I don't understand. I like how they never show us the screen because no. they don't want us to be thinking about that too hard because it might break our brains. Because yeah. really, okay, just for those who haven't seen it, which is everybody in the entire world, um, they basically blackmail Eric Roberts in order to hack his way into a safe in um, in in the office of uh, this main female's um, uh, workplace. Yeah. So so they, so they he has to like, connect his computer up to it, and they have to go click by click. And this computer is basically got some sort of sound sensitivity thing where when it hits the right uh, number on the, the keypad to, to turn uh, for, uh, for the safe, that it'll let them know that it's the correct one. So that doesn't seem like you would need to get like, like build a circuit board for it. It seems like something, you know, I get, you know, it is 1994. I do have to ask you, Liam, when it showed Michael Rooker's ass, did you also think of the dangling balls that were happening in front of it? <laughs> no, what I, what I, here's, here's the question I had for y'all. What yeah. was, what was Michael Rooker in before this movie other than Henry portrait of a serial killer? I have the answer for that. And I'm sure Dan is thinking the same was thing. Of course. Sea of love. Oh, I was thinking, Cliffhanger. Oh yeah. Oh, was that before this movie? That would have been the year before this. I believe it was 1993. Oh, okay. Let me confirm that using the internet while we're here talking. I think well, Sea of Love just... was uh, 89. Yeah, and Cliffhanger was 1993. Okay, so I didn't realize either because you know I know Michael Rooker's more modern things, and then I know Henry. Sure. So to see him all of a sudden in this role where he's kind of like the everyday guy who you're supposed to feel some connection to i mean when he's in that subway scene it doesn't feel like oh here's relatable cop facing off against a monster it's look it's two monsters trying to kill each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> it really it's interesting you say that because i mean they they play him as the the ultimate cliche cop on the edge where like he even gets in a uh, uh, argument with his boss at the police station and he like throws him his badge and he's yeah. like yeah well, and, and like, his partner is there he's like don't go too she's like don't go too far and then he goes back later and rejoins the force but apparently <laughs> his fucking boss still hates him and is totally suspicious of him but also the suggestion is that he is like involved in homicidal fucking shootouts all the time yeah. and that does seem like 
it, maybe it's just the era we live in now compared to the era then, but like this was after the Rodney King shit. You would think we would all be really sensitive about this cop who totally goes too far. <laughs> like we're supposed oh, no, to have no, a- no, 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 no. They, I, I feel like after the Rodney King thing, there were even more movies in which it was L.A. cops killing lots of people. <laughs> yeah, that yeah I think you might be right. More popular. They were really but, cavalier in this movie about that. Like uh, even Emma and I, we, we after that scene, the scene that the shootout scene in the uh, subway, like the the ending of that scene is just this these shots of you know tens twenties of of innocent yes! people like just crawling corpses. around being like oh god and then my like, favorite is the guy who's like there's a corpse that gets up and leaves yeah. because he was just pretending to be dead and I'm like that's me right there that's yeah. what I would have done <laughs> and then he goes after he's like is involved in this situation where so many people are slaughtered and he goes back to like the office he's like what was I supposed to do <laughs> <laughs> I like how it shows. Like, does he ever is there any moment where we actually connect emotionally at all to his character like i i don't know that there's ever any sympathy other than like yeah that you know the the woman turns out to be untrustworthy whatever but i don't i don't know at what point we're supposed to connect to him in any way yeah, well it's I, complex I, these are complex characters liam they're not just they're not just cartoons you know so Instead of making them like he's not just like a super cop who we're supposed to love and respect, he's just a piece of garbage, just like Eric Roberts' <laughs> character is a piece of garbage. And she's like, especially the woman, she's like an awful piece of garbage. So at the end, who cares? Yeah, who I think shit? the movie is really trying to align us with Rooker and it's really trying to align us with his, you know, stress about his worry that she is going to sleep with Roberts. Cause a lot of like, again, with a lot of the structure of the movie is very, yes. you know, they hang out all three of them and then Roberts leaves. And then she looks out the window at him and longingly like rubs the window. And then a bunch of other stuff happens. And then that kind of a scene will happen again. And at the end of every one of them, Rooker is kind of, Oh man, is this going to happen? Oh, are they going <laughs> to sleep together? I but feel like the whole movie is that, but isn't she already banging her boss? Well, he, but she he's doesn't kind want of, to. Yeah, she doesn't want to do that. Or at oh, least she's, that makes it better. Again, you have to take into account that this character is supposed to be manipulating everybody, right? Yeah, so sure. this is just an extension of that. Because the idea, and this is a very problematic aspect of this movie, and again, it, the fact that it's directed by a woman kind of adds another kind of layer to it. But Eric Roberts, at one point, um, he, he points a gun, which uh, Dan, I'm sure we'll talk about in just a second. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He points a gun at Lizanne Anthony's character and basically tells her to strip naked in front of him. And she's about to do it before Michael Rooker comes in. And he's very not happy about that at all. And it's and that is supposed to be kind of the impetus for them to develop a relationship. And when I say them, I mean Lizanne Anthony's character and Eric Roberts. Like yeah. she finds that intriguing. And she even asks him, like, how far would you go? And he goes, as far as you let me. And I think we're supposed to think that's sexy. But that's literally the creepiest fucking yeah. thing. Are we, he could have said. are we to believe that maybe that scene was kind of put on by them and she's asking him, how far would you have gone in this kind of like, you know, put on for Rooker? Because maybe are were they already in cahoots at that point? I mean, and they're kind yeah, of, it, it's one I of those things know. you can kind of go back to later. I mean, we're we're not exactly dancing around it. So she's she is with Eric Roberts throughout at least a good portion of the second half of the movie. Yeah. And with the idea that she wants eric roberts to kill michael rooker so they will run off together we find at the end that she doesn't even care about eric roberts she's only in it for herself that yeah sexy but the bros makes. gotta be bros and he's not gonna kill <laughs> robert well, that's, that's the other weird thing though is that like if if it was she turns on all of them because they're all bad but like 
every character almost like like or at least multiple male characters have some shining moment even the jerk off it's like you can trust you can trust a cop you can trust an ex-cop who's working dirty as a hitman you can even even trust an electronics expert slash jewel thief but you can't trust a woman that's right they all have honor but women no honor that's Mm. what the movie is trying to tell us Tell us about the gun, Dan. What's okay. about what about the gun that Eric Roberts it's wields just, in this it movie? It blew my mind because the last movie that I watched before <laughs> I watched The Hard Truth was In the Line of Fire, and I had never seen it, and I watched it for the first time. And in that film, people will remember that there is a plastic gun that John Malkovich builds, and mm-hmm. in this movie, Eric Roberts pulls out the exact fucking same plastic gun, and I like shot up on the couch and was like to Emma like well, why is that gun in this movie like did somebody that worked on this movie like happen to work on that movie too there's it actually just blew and my mind it's even stranger because there's no reason for Eric Roberts to be wielding a plastic gun there's no, no reason uh, he couldn't just other have than that he's like a weird designer guy <laughs> and I guess you were just asking before um, whether that was part of their kind of plan, but I guess it wasn't because later she says to him that it wasn't loaded, and she knew it because she saw him put it together. Yeah. And I guess there's no reason for them to have that conversation if at that point they're already together. And I'm already thinking too much about this plot. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I and I also thought, did, was I not watching close enough, or did I not see him put it together? I didn't see it, which I is I feel like it's an important it. yeah, it's an important moment. There's it it does feel like there are certain steps here, like like the development of Eric Roberts' relationship with her, that because they kind of miss out on the important relationship building there, it's it's too clear right from the beginning that she is going to be uh the femme fatale that I mentioned yeah. earlier. Uh what do, what do you think, Dan, about Michael Rooker? Uh, I think Michael Rooker is one of the great character actors, and I think uh, whenever he shows up, it's always a good time. Generally, I think, or 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 a really bad time, depending on the movie. <laughs> um, but I do think, like again, to echo the statements, I, I think in this kind of like normal role, it was right. really weird, and it was bizarre to see him mostly full on oh. naked fucking. <laughs> like it is. The first sex scene, I thought this is not a, this is not right. It's not right. I, like he's just not a scare uh, like an actor you want to you want to see. And I don't, I'm not trying to be like mean. It just felt wrong. I was like, I don't know why. Like it doesn't fit him. It's I've seen him in dozens and dozens and dozens of things, right? But it's amazing that when I see him in something like this, especially from like the early '90s, uh, that it's close enough to when I had seen Henry Portrait of a, Curious, a Serial Killer for the first time. That in this movie, all I can think about is like he's gonna kill everybody yeah. because he's crazy. Just look at him, and he really does have this very strange look. I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. Liam, yeah. uh, Liam, gremlin. are you? A fa- he looks like a gremlin. Does he look? No, he looks like a boglin. <laughs> A boglin, yeah, no, yeah. You're right, a boglin. But that's because of the hair. The hair is very boglin-like. <laughs> uh, you haven't seen it yet, Dan, but it, it, uh, Michael Rooker has uh, quite a lot of really strong moments in the Guardians of the Galaxy sequel. Yeah, he was great quite, in the first one. And he's even better here, I would say. Would you agree, Liam? Yeah, definitely. Did you guys come... notice... Sorry. Um, no, it's okay. In all of the 
love scenes with Michael Rooker, it, it seemed like they really cranked up the volume on the ADR lip smacking. <laughs> yes. Like, it did it, like, sound like he was eating a popsicle while he was fucking. Yeah, like, yeah, a popsicle for sure. It was, like, I, to the point <laughs> where I, I started adding my own while we were watching just to gross Emma out. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just so, aren't doing it right. That's what it always sounds like. <laughs> well, I usually bring a popsicle into the room because you never know. Yeah, you never yeah. know. Pineapple flavored. That's how that's how we do it here in Canada. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Dan Eric Roberts is in the movie The Hard Truth, playing a nerd, a neurotic nerd. Yeah. Um, uh, who at the end shows himself to be a pretty straight up guy in the sense that he, even though he's kind of left Michael Rooker with a big uh, wound in his stomach, yeah, and 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 chained up in a place that no one could ever find him, he does leave him his portion of the money that they all stole together because mm-hmm. he's because he has honor. What did you think of Eric Roberts' performance in The Hard Truth? Um, like I said earlier, I thought it was uh, a little bit out of his range, but it was in that way that it's kind of fun. I like it was kind of fun to watch him try that. So I kind of was entertained by just the fact that he was in here in a nerd form yeah, and it it was kind of it, you know it, it the the poster for this movie or the video box really misrepresents the kind of movie that you're going to get here it both shows, of them do yeah there's, there's two of them there's one where it's they're running they both have guns and they're running away from a, like a huge explosion which makes it look like a buddy cop movie and then the right. other one is michael rooker's face and there's like a speeding Tra- like subway train and it makes it look like it's going to be money train or something <laughs> it is not money train or a buddy cop movie at all uh liam what did you think of eric roberts the nerd in this movie it was i mean it was a fun performance in a lot of ways but i i have to agree like he doesn't really work as a nerd like it, he he's just not very believable in those moments but i also think that's like the writing of the character like Let's have a guy who's a jewel thief slash nerdy doctor slash sex symbol smarmy. Like, there's just too many things that that character is asking him to do at once that don't really fit together in an obvious way. Well, I guess that's fair enough. But it does now bring to mind the question at the center of this podcast, Liam, which is, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in the movie The Hard Truth from 1994? Yes, he is. Okay, well, it seems to go at, be a little, slightly at odds with what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> because no, it, it's not though. Because the I, you know, I deny him the man when he is phoning it in. He's not really showing up. That's not what's happening. I just think the task set before him is not a good fit. But he is. There's no point where I feel like, oh, Eric Roberts is sleepwalking through this movie. This is still Eric Roberts is present. He's really sort of showing up in the role. It's just not one where he was well cast. Dan Gorman, do you agree or disagree? Well, I had a real roller coaster ride of emotion getting to this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I I felt like that I was gonna land on the no side because oh, of goodness. the nerdiness and the inability to play the nerd perfectly. But I was entertained by it, and I have to say. Um, it is a it is a fucking man move for him to uh, leave that pile of money for Rooker. So I feel like I kind of on based on the fact that they give him that moment. I got to say yes, because he chains him up and everything. And he's like, you know, drugs him. But then he's but then he's he'll he'll leave him the money. There's so a that's a part, pretty it's, that's a that's a good move. Absolutely. There's a part where Michael Rooker handcuffs Eric Roberts around a pole 
and then he 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 uncuffs himself, and afterwards he does a little, he does like he puts his hands eh, up like, hey, ain't he I a stinker? A, ain't I a stinker? The the classic <laughs> ain't I a stinker movement, and uh, th- for that alone, I will announce that the hard truth for our audience is that Eric Roberts is the fucking man mm-hmm. in the movie The Hard Truth from 1994. We all agree. Right across the board, we agree that he's the fucking man. But with that now taken up, and I'm sure Eric Roberts is very happy to hear yeah. <laughs> since he's zoomed he's, forward to this he's part. He's got a spreadsheet. He's checking off that this one was the man. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's, he's added it to his Excel sheet. Yeah. <laughs> For this episode, episode number 49 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, we're going to take a little break. And when we return, it's the main event. Dan has chosen for us to watch 1994's Freefall. We'll be back right after this. She's a good girl, loves her mama, loves Jesus in America too. She's a good girl She's crazy about Elvis Loves horses And her boyfriend too And it's a long day Living in Reseda There's a freeway Running through the yard I'm a bad boy Cause I don't even miss her I'm a bad boy For breaking her heart Wildlife photographer Katie is sent to Africa by her fiancé, Dex, the CEO of the international company It just says the international company that publishes the magazine she works for to take photos of a rare bird of prey previously thought to be extinct. There she meets Grant, a colleague who knows his way around the place and falls for him hard, so to speak. (laughs) However, what she doesn't know is that she's the key in a pawn of deadly international game of cat and mouse between the Interpol and an international criminal group. It's Free Fall from 1994, a very odd little film full of twists and turns. I think I may have used those same words to describe The Hard Truth. (laughs) But this is even more twisty and turny than The Hard Truth is. You don't know who you're supposed to trust. You're like, on one side, you have Eric Roberts as a uh, former or maybe current Hollywood stuntman who specializes in doing long falls. But he also might be an Interpol agent. Or maybe he's a secret special double agent. Or maybe he's just a bad guy the whole time. On the other side, you have Jeff Fahey from The Lawnmower Man. And he might be just uh, this woman's fiancé and her boss. But he also might be a secret double Interpol agent. And also he might be a good guy or a bad guy. And so it's really important for us to work out what's the truth here. So let's start with you, Liam. I know you were a big fan of 1994's Freefall. What did you think of 1994's Freefall? It's one of those films that uh, thinks that confusing and mysterious are the same thing. (laughs) And that if, if, if the audience is going wait a minute why did this happen then that's good that's because it's mysterious and they're right there there's an there's an enigma there and not because you're bad at storytelling or editing uh but there are multiple moments in this movie where 
I I found myself being like, wait, why why is this happening? Why what is what's going on here? Um, there's some fun things. Uh, the one the the whole idea of that she just happens to see Eric Roberts' character jumping off a cliff. They just happen to be going past <laughs> at that time, and she sees that, and then he like plays off it. This all the scenes where she, he's basically sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Liam, but I love that. So she's in a she's in a helicopter at the time, or plane or whatever. A and plane. She, yeah, plane. And she's like to the pilot, hey, get closer. And he's like, no, we don't have much fuel. And she's like, just do it. And it's just like, do you really want to just die? <laughs> <laughs> so you can see this dude, what you think is jumping to his death. Um, but yes, please continue, Liam. Well, yeah. And like, it's not like she's going to, again, if she had been in a helicopter, there's some options there. But on a plane, you can't catch him. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> You're just going to watch him jump. So it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but also, I think we're at, even in 1994, we're at a time where if you see a guy about to jump off a cliff, my first thought is parachute, not, oh, a suicide. Cool. Like, yeah. you know, I, I would just assume, you know. He has a big backpack on, too. Yeah. Like, it's very <laughs> obvious. Yeah. And he doesn't jump. Look, I've seen, unfortunately, in my life, uh, compilations of, like, death footage. Very unpleasant. Yeah, Not you're a fucked I, up motherfucker. Sure. I'm a fucked up guy, and, and Rotten.com was available in the early, late 90s. Uh, and, and you see it. When someone's committing suicide, they don't jump in like a very graceful way that that like they're trying to get away from rocks to allow them to open a parachute afterwards. Yeah. Uh, they kind of just usually plummet because it's probably scary and terrifying and mentally uh, damaging. So I feel like the fact that she didn't go, hmm, maybe parachute, is is kind of a, a, a symbolic of her uh, uh, limitations as a character. Sure. Yeah. I think Dan! Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I was, please continue. I was gonna say, I was going to say is that in order for a film like this to work, we need connection to a character. Uh, even if things are complicated and who the characters are, there's clear stakes, like what's at stake, why things are happening at certain times, and like uh, some idea of why we might trust someone, even if we have reason not to, like what the connection is. And like none of those things are there. Like everyone seems untrustworthy. Her dream sequence is just insane. Like why that whole <laughs> yeah. fever dream thing. The, there's just so much in it that doesn't make any sense. And then it sort of ends on this, like, feel good, fun, like, yay, it was a caper sort of thing. And that doesn't work <laughs> that, at, oh, that, at all. Well, we'll get to that in just a little bit. I love that that dream sequence you were referring to. So there's a point in the movie where she basically appears to be drugged. And then uh, there's this really weird dream sequence where she goes through a fever and she's visited by people. There's an albino fella and a black fella. And we don't really know what's going on. It's actually kind of nightmarish when it's occurring. Um, and there's there's something she sees in the sequence that at the very end of the movie allows her to uh, that know that, that another character is very evil. I'm being very cagey in regards to it. But I'll tell you, when she made that connection to something in her dream, I did not make that connection. No. I did not remember it from earlier at all because it seemed like a detail that, why could I possibly have been paying attention to that? Yeah. But the movie expected me to. Dan, what did you think of Free Fall? Free Fall, it's, it's similar to The Hard Truth in the sense that in the opening it kind of promises that it might be a little bit more interesting than it actually is mm -hmm. um the footage of the uh of eric roberts jumping doing his base jump um is surprisingly well photographed uh i was like oh, okay this like looks like it, they're they're going for a little bit of style and i have seen a few other movies by john irvin um i've seen rod deal of course but i've also right. seen ghost story and next of kin is is kind of an interesting 
uh, movie and a little bit stylish. So it was kind of surprising that after that opening, it really just turns into this really, really flat movie, except for that. Um, yeah, it, I found that it a little scene. a little odd as well. Again, it, this movie, by the way, was originally. Uh, meant to have a theatrical release which is kind of hard to believe because when you watch it all you can think about is how this is aside from the fact that it's sort of globe trotting yeah. is very it has very much uh, a straight to video totally. feel to it uh, and in fact it, one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me was how some of it in some kind of of, of uh general ways it kind of uh mimicked the hard way uh not the hard way what was it the hard truth you keep saying the hard way because that's a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> with the beloved James Woods. Yeah. Um. The, but the hard truth because this has like kind of a, a, a central kind of love triangle and uh, characters are introduced. Yeah. Like especially Eric Roberts is introduced into it and this female is kind of bland and you don't really know. And I feel bad about saying that, but the lead female in this movie, played by Pamela Gidley, she doesn't know what's going on the entire movie. Like up until the last few minutes, she doesn't yeah. know. What is going on at all? And I felt really bad for her both as a character and as an actress because that's a hard role to play where you are constantly supposed to be as confused as the audience is. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's good that we're learning things as she's learning. But when you watch something like North by Northwest where – not to compare it necessarily. But when <laughs> you have close. a character a character who's confused, who doesn't know what's going on or who to trust, and then slowly he gets more and more informed and he starts to take control back from it, yeah. she never takes that control back. She's at the mercy of these two assholes the entire movie. And, and the, weird feels, thing, the weird thing sorry, about yeah. that, though, is is much like the, the Hard Truth, it's another movie that kind of – purports to give the female character like some you know there's there's a couple scenes where she kind of gets the upper hand against uh eric roberts and kind of says like you know you you can't push me around or like you she know knows she, judo. she flips him over yeah. and it's kind of like okay she's gonna hold her own but then the movie is kind of pulls the rug out and it's like nope she's gonna get drugged and this crazy like she's not gonna know what's going on it's kind of like th- they're similar in that regard the yeah. only thing she's really asked asked to emote the entire film are confusion and then flirtation with Eric Roberts. Yeah, like it's right. like There's nothing else to her character the entire film, let alone that she's supposed to have some relationship with another character in the film, and that never comes... Like, whenever they interact, it's, like, hard to remember, like, oh, yeah, they know each other, right? Like, there's, like, nothing there. It's, like, the whole movie, she's either frustrated, confused, like, doesn't know what's going on, or she's interacting with Eric Roberts, and it's, like, an immediate, just, like, she's there in order to be attracted to Eric Roberts. Now, we'll we'll get into some spoiler territory here. Now, uh, Liam, would you say Jeff Fahey or Fahey? I usually just say Lawnmower Man, so I'm not sure. Right. So <laughs> the Lawnmower Man is in this movie. I actually think that uh, Jeff Fahey or Fahey is a fairly underrated actor. I think he's usually pretty good. Yeah. Here he's doing a very weird, high-pitched southern accent that is incredibly distracting. And we're also supposed to believe that this character, who has had almost no impact on any part of the movies uh, up to this point, he's supposed to get killed off kind of unceremoniously about halfway through. And then later, you know, like 20 minutes later, there's this reveal of who the big, like kind of big boss is. And we're supposed to be shocked that it's him. But of course it's him. He's the only other name actor in the movie who's done nothing up to this point. And I mean, certainly I would think that he was a much bigger star in 1994, uh, just a couple of years after The Lawnmower Man, than he is, say, now. 
very strange uh, kind of expectation of this being sort of a shocking reveal. Do you think, uh, Dan, that this is supposed to be shocking for us to see him kind of make his turn from being nice guy who owns a <laughs> wildlife magazine <laughs> to being an Interpol agent or double agent? I think it might be uh, intended to be shocking, but I think another to kind of echo what Liam's been saying too. I I think the the storytelling in this movie is very tenuous. It's like, uh, you know, I I definitely find the second half of this movie to be a crazy blur uh, because I did watch it longer ago than the hard truth, but also just sure. because it doesn't really have any scenes that really sell the point of the scenes like she goes through this you know fever dream and stuff and they keep saying you have like some information like i guess imprinted upon her or something like she has some kind of like i don't even know like and and so when it finally becomes apparent that he he was an interpol agent it's not sold with any gusto he just goes oh yeah i was uh, an agent by the way. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, it's that's just, it. <laughs> it's, it's like, is everybody an Interpol agent? Yeah. I also like that Interpol itself, it seems to be a very confused organization where some people are working for one side and some, like, huge numbers of soldiers are just shooting <laughs> at her indiscriminately, even though she is supposed to... All right, this is the big reveal. The MacGuffin in this is that she has this list of agents somewhere on her person uh, when she leaves uh, the jungle. And we don't know where it is. They search through all our bags. They search through all of our camera equipment. Eric Roberts doesn't know where it is. And we discover that it's basically been implanted in her brain. That, yeah. that weird nightmare sequence, she's actually having it kind of implanted in her brain so they can then use a flashing light later and put her under using some sort of serum to then get her to recite this list of names. Which, by the way, is ludicrous. And yeah. so much more sci-fi than anything else that goes on but in the rest of this cool. movie. But it could have been cool. If that was... If, if the trippy out crazy scene was sure. earlier in the movie and then it is revealed fairly quickly that you've been imprinted with this information and they want it then the rest of the movie just make it a fun chase crazy action movie and then right. it works i will say the only thing that really worked for me is the part where she and eric roberts go into his secret hideout because it kind of suggests a kind of movie that this movie isn't it, it's yeah. kind of the movie that the end of the movie promises as opposed to everything else in the movie, which tends to be really bland. But that, he has whole, the, that whole scene, it reminded me too much of that Sylvester Stallone movie we watched. Uh, which one was that? The Specialist? Yeah. Featuring Eric Roberts as a villain? It reminded me of The Specialist hideout. And it, <laughs> I, it that really got, I don't know why, but that bothered me. I love that his hideout, it's one of those places that it's built next to like one of those gigantic industrial fans that has a giant blue light behind it. Yeah. <laughs> that, the kind of place that, that really would not work as a apartment at all. It would be extremely difficult to sleep in that sort of thing. <laughs> but, uh, but it, you know, it's a very much a cinematic looking place. But, you know, it's this guy, he's supposed to be like a secret agent. He's going all over the world and he has these crazy hideouts and he has like, like, uh, gadgets all over the place to stuff. Like, one of the things he has set up in this hideout that I guess he goes to once a year or something like that is is a machine that when he he turns it on it just plays really irritating noise. Yeah. That he has a noise machine to irritate people who come into his apartment. I mean, it works pretty well and then he blows <laughs> them up. Okay, so that sequence him and um and our uh, uh let me actually get her name cuz I feel bad by ignoring her. So Pamela Gidley, Eric Roberts, They've escaped into his secret hideout. Uh, the bad guys find him. They they track them down. He pulls off all of his gadgets to stop them. They get to the roof. They jump off. 
and they land in, I guess, some sort of weird crash pad that he set up yeah. just for this eventuality. And then they just start laughing like fucking idiots because they feel like they've gotten away. They're just next door to where they were. <laughs> they feel very confident that they're just going to walk out of there. And, of course, they go outside, look at each other in the eyes, and then the, the guys capture them immediately. Yeah. Very, very odd. Well, that was fun, think, yeah. but, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, do, I, I do think, though, the reason they are, feel relieved that it isn't really clear, but I think what was supposed to happen is he's just murdered all those guys. Like, he blows up his whole hideout. So right. the reason they're like, we got away is all those people are dead. But, of course, it's not that surprising that there's other people waiting for them outside. <laughs> but I just think it was funny. that what, what I thought was weird about that was not, like, that I was surprised that they felt relieved. It was that, like, she's really taken to him murdering people pretty easily. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's not, like, surprised or weirded. She's just like, oh, you blew them up. That was great. Especially because we're not, even at that point, I don't think she's entirely convinced that Eric Roberts is on the no. up and up. So the fact is, he might have just killed a bunch of good guys. And in fact, I'm still a little bit confused about whether they might have been good guys at all. Anyway, (laughs) but he has like... None of that is consistent either. Like he... He makes a lot of decisions that are hard to justify if he's on the good side. You know what I mean? And even like the, they, they do the thing where it's not clear the whole movie that Lawnmower Man can fight at all. Like he doesn't right. show any signs that he's like combat trained. But then in the end, of course, he can beat the crap out of Eric Roberts until yeah. he can't. You know, like and even then, like in some scenes, Eric Roberts is like some sort of, you know, uh, secret agent mastermind kicking ass. And in other scenes, he's like, oh, there's. Two guys. Oh no! I'm totally <laughs> done. It just seems like for whatever scene, they just kind of it. All that sort of choreography, like action-based choreography, felt haphazard. It felt like they just sort of made it up as they went along. Right. Yeah. And I, and there's there's kind of there's there's more action in this movie, but also less than right, the other right. film. There's a few extra scenes, but they're a lot smaller. There is a a shootout in a kitchen. And my note, my only note that I made when I watched this movie, other than uh, another one that I'll get to, I think maybe, but uh, I was really upset that they they keep showing this ice sculpture and in the kitchen and things are blowing up and like the there's stuff mm-hmm. on the oven overflowing and getting shot and they never they never shoot this ice sculpture and it's prominently placed in the scene. You know what? Just similar to that, Dan, in that same sequence, they show a bunch of popcorn hit the ground. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, well, they're gonna because the fire is gonna hit. We're gonna see a bunch of popcorn going yeah. up, and they don't show that either. I felt really yeah, disappointed. Yeah, and they, they cut to an explosion after that, and I was like, did the popcorn blow up? What's going on? <laughs> One of the weird details that I found very strange was the Eric Roberts character in this movie is, like, very committed to... Sorry, Liam, when you say Eric Roberts' character, do you mean Grant Orion? <laughs> yes. Grant Orion... Not to be confused with the Lawnmower Man's character, which is Dex Dellum. Grant, nice. o- Grant Orion, as a former stuntman and Interpol agent, is very committed to high-waisted pleated khakis of the wide-leg mm-hmm. variety. And yes. at first, it's not that noticeable, because he's in situations where you think, okay, I could see... but. He's climbing a mountain in, in in these pants. He's fighting people. Every situation, no matter how nature-based or how fancy, the same basic style of these high-waisted, pleated, wide-leg khakis. <laughs> and I would say that this is the most confusing wardrobe choice of the picture until the end when Jeff Fahey is in this final fight scene. The lawnmower man is taking on Eric Roberts to do that. And he's and he dies and he jumps backwards. And I realize this whole time while he's on this secret mission 
in the wilderness. They're literally in the mountainish jungle area. Mm-hmm. Jeff Fahey's character has corduroys on. And I just, <laughs> I'm trying to understand the secret agent that's like, all right, I got to get dressed for this mission. Yeah, it's just a corduroy kind of day. I'll just put yeah. these corduroys on. This says I'm on a secret mission and I'm going to murder some people. Is maybe Does he's it, he's he's hoping that they'll help grip on the uh, climbing or something. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. <laughs> now, with that in mind, let's talk about the ending of this movie. It sort of has two ending sequences, one more goofy than the other. But you mentioned just then that Eric Roberts and Jeff Fahey, they have a one-on-one, Liam. They have a, a battle. Now, how does that battle end? Uh, does it, I'm trying to remember, you know, Jeff A, he goes off the cliff, but does Eric, does Eric Roberts kick him off the cliff? How does he go off the cliff? It is edited in a very confusing manner. And also it, it, it unfortunately comes just a few minutes after someone else gets thrown off a cliff. In uh, um, honestly, a much more impressive yeah. way. <laughs> but they're basically they fall down uh, a slight uh, embankment on top of the cliff, and then they just sort of tangle with each other. And then he kicks Jeff Fahey off the cliff. I think that's right. Is that correct, Dan? Yeah, I think that was it. And it's then he so falls. Anticlimactic. It's anticlimactic. It's all even the even the the sound they have of him falling is just like uh, ah. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> oh god or anything. <laughs> it, I like how it doesn't seem like he's in, he doesn't feel any danger yeah. regarding the possibility of falling when he's right next to the edge of this cliff. <laughs> uh, it is a very impressive looking you fall. You can't be I, tense. You can't be tense in corduroys like that. They just relax. No, yeah, it, it'll loosen you up. So. The bad guy's dead. All the bad guys are dead for the most part. Uh, the actual Interpol agents, I guess, um, come and, and take uh, our lead female away. And she is then, we cut to this fancy building where she's being, uh, I guess, prompted by Interpol agents that she is now, can't go back to the United States. She has to basically uh, be in witness protection or their equivalent of it. So she's going to Maui. And like she's going to be, I guess, living her life. I guess that's just what she's going to be now. She had no choice in the matter. And then she she is told to go into a car where someone's going to bring her to the airport or whatever. And when she gets down to the car, Dan, what happens? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> the, Liam, maybe, maybe you could tell us what happens. It's such a blur. Eric Roberts is waiting there for her. He's wearing a hat, so you can't tell at first that it's him. Oh yeah, it's a terrible. But but you can tell Tim because it, like it's just obviously him in a hat. Like that's, Who the that's fuck how else? I remember. Who the fuck else? Going, is like, be? Oh, obviously it's him. You don't need to do this reveal. It's a silly looking hat, and he's right there. <laughs> and Liam, what does he say? I don't remember. It was I remember groaning when he said it, but I don't remember exactly what. Yeah, it was. yeah. He, he says I've taken this as a video clip and put it both on Twitter and the uh, Eric Roberts. Actually, right on my Facebook. Um, he asks her if she's ever gone parachuting naked into a volcano. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Jesus, it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> can I can I say too? Like there, it's weird the little things that stick out when you're watching a movie this incoherent and confusing. So they this moment happens. It's very smooth. He's very smooth, and then they have the smooth shot of them pulling out in the convertible sure. from yeah. the gates. But 
if you notice, Eric Roberts drives up too fast, and he has to hit the brakes real hard <laughs> to keep from hitting the gates. Like, whenever you see a movie and, and someone's driving through gates, they always time it perfectly. So you just yeah, smoothly right? go out the gates. My man does what I would do, and he 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 over you know he goes too quick, and he's like, oh, no, I'm going to hit the gate. Okay, now I can go. And I just found that so ridiculous and so emblematic of this whole movie that some director didn't go, you know what? Back up. Let's do that again. Let's get that. Let's get that part right. No, they just were like, "Yeah, that's fine. That works." I, I I like that they that the Interpol for some reason has tricked her with with this reveal of Eric Roberts being the person who who she's just had this incredibly traumatic experience with and possibly does not want to see again. Because obviously the suggestion is that she has not seen him since the end of that action yeah. to this moment. Right? It's like maybe she wants to start over. Maybe she doesn't want to have to deal with this crazy ex-stuntman who got someone killed or maybe didn't and then became a secret agent. And he was a, a super double secret agent, so even other secret agents didn't know he was a secret agent. I mean, it's like, Jesus Christ. But I love the idea that this was like supposed to kind of kick off a franchise with Grant Orion going around the fucking world solving crimes using jumping off of large buildings as kind of the central crux of it. He's like the fall guy, except modern. Dan, what did you think of that ending? Uh, I thought it was pretty stupid. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was a... I really checked out the, the last chunk of this movie. <laughs> I, I really, really vaguely remember half of the stuff that happens after, you know, it's it, it's revealed that she's had that stuff imprinted on her. I just... It's, it's a big blur of kind of flat cinematography and and dumb shit. But, yeah... <laughs> it, the, the volcano thing is pretty ridiculous it does beg the question however uh, I'll start with you Liam have you ever parachuted into a volcano naked nope Liam is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 1994's Free Fall it's hard to say because um, I didn't like the movie and I didn't like either of these movies but I particularly found this one confusing and frustrating and I didn't understand why it was the way it was. That being said, Eric Roberts really is doing a lot in this movie. He is really the energy of the film. There's a lot of him uh, seducing this lady on cliffs and stuff. And they do have sex on the side of a cliff on an open parachute. Yeah. And there's a lot of him. He's shooting a lot. He's being sort of like, mysterious and cagey i i think it's hard because i think the script is really bad and so at times i think because again we're supposed to be not sure what to make of him so instead of it being because of something more complicated they just write him poorly and then it's like well i don't know is he bad or is he good i i don't know that he knows if he's bad at at this moment you know so Mm. there's a lot of that sort of confusion but i still think he's 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 putting in the work he's really present i think he's the man in this movie all right that's one he is the fucking man dan is he the fucking man in this movie you gotta say yes and i think it's funny to me that Another one of these kind of tenuous um, double feature elements of these two movies is that both in in both movies somebody um, th- there's a shot of in in a sex scene where where they look like they're trying to devour the breast um, <laughs> because Eric Roberts is really trying to eat it eat the boob in this movie and then Rooker movie has the exact same shot. 
Do you think that, and I, you know, this is a question that it doesn't really have much relevance, but do you think that she, uh, the lead actress in Free Fall used a body double in the breast-devouring scene? Because it did seem to move across her body and then edit before he got up to her face. I don't think so, because there were some pretty, like, you know, wide uh, shots of them, and it didn't look like it could have been a double. But I don't know. Well, let me tell you something, Dan, as, a, as a, an older gentleman. Um, w- some women like, like they don't mind uh, uh, showing off to the camera and letting the camera linger on them, but not everyone likes having their tit, like, eaten by Eric yeah. Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> For some, that's just a bridge too far. I can't I've heard wonder that. why, yeah. So did sorry I can't remember if I got from you was Eric Roberts the fucking man? Yeah, I think he is here. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 1994's Free Fall. We all agree for both movies, The Hard Truth and Free Fall from 1994 must have been a good year for Eric Roberts yeah. because he was the fucking man in both of these projects. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and talk to Dan and then we're going to say good night. Episode number 49 of Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man is in the bag. I want to thank our guest, Dan Gorman, for taking time out of his very, very busy podcasting and a general VHS nuttery to come and join us on the show and talk about two wonderful Eric Roberts projects that he picked himself and has to take full 100% responsibility for. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Dan, thank you very, very much. Honestly, Dan, uh, you're someone that I've uh, always been a fan of in regards to both your podcasting and also your online presence and someone I've always wanted to have a chance to talk to. So this is a real treat. So thank you for taking the time. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, thank you, first of all. That's too kind. Um, you can find me. Uh, I, As you mentioned earlier, I co-host the See You Next Wednesday podcast, which you can find at modernsuperior.com. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at YCKMD underscore. I'm not going to lie to you, Dan. Uh, a, I am a fan of yours. I like you very much. But also, I find that Twitter name impossible when I'm searching for you. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Especially because <laughs> you've changed your name from being Dan Gorman on it. So yeah. recently, when I've been trying to link you on things, I'm like, what the fuck is his name again? I can't. <laughs> so it, it does make my life more difficult. But that just adds yep. to, the, to, the, to the flavor of totally. life as a whole, I think. I think that, uh, you know, not to get too deep into the tech stuff here, but I think that uh, Twitter's search functionality in that regard is like basically broken oh yeah absolutely if you type in somebody's name and that's not what their handle is it doesn't come up yeah it's the worst (laughs) it is the worst why are we so devoted to it who knows liam i know you're getting to all sorts of crazy stuff over at cinepunks tell us about it (laughs) yes no not yes (laughs) the answer to that is no i'm cutting all that out (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not. Come on. No. Uh, the, 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 the thing about Cinepunks is that we are growing, uh, which is great. Uh, we have a few new shows, uh, get, Got Me a Movie uh, and Black Sun Dispatches, and we have a few more coming on board. Um, mostly they're waiting on 
me to do stuff because I'm a slacker. So uh, it's just it's great. Although uh, let me just quickly say if you're someone who would like to help out at Cinepunks and are willing to do that without any monetary compensation of any kind, Ooh, then, exposure. Uh, you should hit me up. Yeah, I I I don't even have exposure. I'm not gonna lie to people, Doug. You're just doing it to be nice. That's what you get. Is that you're a nice person? I would do want to mention that Black Sun Dispatches, your new podcast, is uh, created by a friend of the show, Brendan Foley, and I'm glad to see his success with that. It's really project. good too. Like it's not just like we, we're friends with him and we're glad that he's doing a thing. It's really good, and I am uh, just really proud that he was willing to put it on Cinepunks because that makes me happy. Good on Brendan. Glad that Cinepunks finally has something worthwhile on it. Yeah. Oh um, no, that's great. <laughs> Liam, if people did you already say where you are on Twitter? Uh I mean no one cares, but it's at mm-hmm. Liam Rules R U L Z. Uh you know, the proper spelling. Uh, but you know, it's it, it's just me retweeting things. It's not really that good. You sometimes reply to things. I've seen it happen. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Dan's joy I, at your I, fucking shittery. It's always funny. All right. All right. Well, if you want to check out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, you can go over to ericrobertsistheman.com, check into our archives, or subscribe via iTunes. You could leave us a review there if you wanted. We'd appreciate it very, very much. You can also follow Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M, or you can go over to Facebook and do a search for Eric Roberts is the man and join us on there. Why don't you request an Eric Roberts movie to watch? We're always interested in that. You can find me, Doug Tilly, at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L. E-Y over on Twitter. You can also find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares. That's over on NoBudgetPodcast.com or you can check out the latest episode at DorkShelf.com or do a search for No Budget Nightmares on Facebook. But with that all said, it's time to zip this shit up. No more Eric Roberts today. No more Eric Roberts for another two weeks when we'll return with more classics from the Eric Roberts canon. We'll be back soon. Good night, everybody. You can say goodnight, too. Good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.